Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads. And as we now open up your word, we ask that you would cause us to bow our hearts and open them up. Holy Spirit of the living God, in this moment, we offer ourselves to you, our ears, our hearts, our very lives. We can do no more, and we dare do no less, for you are God, our only Savior, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As we open together to James chapter 1, verses, well, really verse 19, it's my sad duty to inform you that currently you suffer from at least four delusions. Don't hate me for pointing this out. These are just the facts. I'm just the messenger. Delusion number one, you suffer from the delusion that you are a good driver. (laughs) You're not. Delusion number two, you suffer from the delusion that you have a great sense of humor. You don't. I've heard your jokes, and they're not that good. Delusions number three and four are actually more pertinent to our text. Delusion number three that you suffer from is that you are a good listener. Everybody thinks they're a good listener, and really nobody is. And delusion number four that you suffer from is that you're a good talker in the sense that whatever it is you think you need to say, you are utterly convinced that everyone around you needs to hear it. And what if that's not the case? Well, those delusions are what, at least the last two of them, are what James' audience suffered from. And it's us. It's me. And it's you. The two books in the Bible that are commonly thought of as the most down-to-earth practical books in the Bible are the epistle of James and that wonderful Old Testament book of the Proverbs. And you know, both of those books feature so much biblical instruction about listening and about talking. So much in those books about the tongue and speech, and so much in those books about the ears and listening. There's also a lot in both of those books about the spleen and growing angry and losing our temper. There's also a lot in those books about the heart or the chest and either getting swelled up with pride or bowing down with humility. James chapter 1, verses 18 and following. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The title of the sermon this morning is also the outline of the sermon. Stop talking, start listening. Stop talking, start listening. I love the fact that we run up to verse 19 by this mountaintop of doxology and theology and divine sovereignty in verse 18. 
Verse 18 of James 1 reaches the the heights of redemption and regeneration, actually attributing our regeneration to the monergistic work of a sovereign God and his gracious choice in our lives. And then verse 19 comes all the way down to the most common ways that we annoy each other every day of the week. by saying the wrong thing, by growing angry too quickly, and by not really listening to each other. The theme, really, of James is James 1.22, be a doer of the word and not merely a hearer. Verse 21, receive the word of God. If we receive the word of God, then we really do it. Or according to verse 18, if we really are born again by the work of God, then verse 19 says, the way we listen will show that, and the way we speak will show that. James talks about the tongue and speech in all five chapters of James. It's a a hugely relevant issue. And we know that it is. You don't need me actually even to prove that from the Bible, though we could. You just know that speech with each other is a huge issue because that's where most of our anger comes from, most of our breakups come from, from, not, from what we say to each other and the way we refuse to listen to each other. How dramatically would our lives change if we took James 1.19 literally, seriously in our lives and we stopped talking and we started listening? How different would your Facebook book page B. (laughs) How different would your uh, thumbs operate on your phone? How different would our church meetings be? How different would our marriages be, our friendships, our parenting, the way we conduct ourselves in the workplace, all of it? You know, this is what I love about preaching, is you get to go from this, this height of verse 18 and the grand scheme of regeneration and redemption right down to the most common way that we interact with each other in verse 19. That's what preaching the word is. There's always a point in preaching the word where we with Nathan point forward and say, you are the man, you need to repent. We love preaching the word of God because to preach the word of God is actually through the very presence of Christ in the words of Scripture is to step on the neck of the snake so that his poisonous fangs no longer ruin our marriages and our church fellowships and all the rest of it. To preach the word of God is to point out the delusions which we suffer from. And everyone here, including the one behind the pulpit, suffers from the delusion that he, or in your case, possibly she, is a good listener. And everybody here suffers from the delusion that he or she uh, talks just the right amount. The preaching of the word will correct us and it will redirect us so that we can use our ears and our mouth and our heart to glorify Jesus who has saved us. That's what it's all about. So start listening and stop talking. First, he starts with, start listening. Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Now, we suffer from the delusion that we're quick to hear, and the delusion is plausible. 
The delusion that you suffer from that you're a good listener is plausible because you are a good listener. You are a good listener when you're being told something that you want to hear. You're a great listener when you're being told something that you want to hear. You're a great listener when you are listening to something that fully corresponds to your pre-baked passions and prejudices that you already care about. You just soak that stuff up. You'll pay money to access that material. But am I quick to listen when I am being disagreed with? Am I quick to listen when I'm being disagreed with? Or am I quick to talk back, quick to argue, quick to interrupt? Am I quick to listen? Am I quick to listen when I am being told something that I don't really want to deal with? Ouch. Let's close in prayer. We're done here. I really am. I can't tell you how many times I was tempted to be like, no, I don't want to talk about this because I don't want to actually have to apply it in my own life. It's a major ouch for me. James 1, verses 2 through 5, talks about trials. There have been times in my life, not, I'm not talking about times in my life when I was 12. I'm talking about times in my life when I'm pa- your pastor in this church where I was going through a hard trial. And I met with a mentor, a friend, maybe one of the elders in church. There actually, several. I'm seeing them there in this service. I met with a friend. And he showed these verses to me. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And while my friend, my mentor, was sharing those verses with me, in my mind, I was saying the words, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't need perseverance and proven character. What I need at this moment is for my circumstances to change and this trial to be over. But you know, my friend was right, and I was wrong. And all my talking back was just so much refusal to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. That's why this issue is such a major ouch for me. And I have to share the pain with you because you have to listen to me for the next few minutes. Do you really listen when someone's disagreeing with you? What about James 1, 21 and 22? Receive the implanted word. Verse 22, be a doer of the word and not merely a hearer. You know, I live, I live with... Uh, a woman, my wife, Amy, who is uh, faithful and she is basically fearless. And I can't tell you what it's like to hear her say to me what she has said. Um, you know, Spencer, uh, I heard you teach this and this and that, but I just saw you do that and the other. Are you a talker? and a hearer of the word, or are you a doer? And as she says that, my mind is saying, shut up, shut up. But, you know, I'm wrong. She's right. Do do we listen non-defensively, non-interruptingly, the way that we should? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to grow angry. If you listen 
It could really transform your workplace, your church, and your home. Think about the workplace. You, maybe you have a supervisor or a boss and you see his or her inconsistencies and mistakes and everybody does and so they just bad mouth the boss all the time. If you are at work and you uh, contribute to that bad mouthing of the boss, I hope that you, I actually hope you're not identifying as a Christian. That's a very unchristlike example. We, 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 need to, we need to behave and conduct ourselves as those who are children of the light. Every workplace has somebody who's just annoying. <laughs> and your natural habit is to avoid them. But what if you actually became like Christ and instead of annoying them, you listened to them with a, with a self-denying, selfless kind of you're more important than I am kind of love. Maybe they have never encountered that before. And you would show them what Jesus Christ is like. If we really listen, how would it transform our workplace? If we were slow to speak and quick to listen, how would it, how would it change our church, our different discussions that we have in our ABFs? The great, thing about the, 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 the great thing about the work of the ministry is that we all have different gifts and different callings, and we throw all that together. So it'll be often the case that I'll be in a Bible study or in an ABF and someone will say from this text, well, that this is why we need to do more about, and then there's a long list of things, crisis pregnancy centers or uh, eliminating racism or supporting the police department or mentoring teenagers or valuing young moms, staying at home with their little ones or worldwide missions or on and on and on and on and on. Now, some of those things are clearer in the Bible than others. The Bible touches on all of those things. My point here isn't to uh, adjudicate all that. My point here is simply that one of the wonderful things about being a member of the body of Christ is different persons have different callings and different gifts, and we can learn from each other, and we can influence each other so that we can all become more like Jesus Christ. And if we really listened, how would this change things in our home? You know, our kids are all uh, up and out of the house, <laughs> and there's certainly a lot that I would do different if I went back as a dad, but I'll let you in on one secret that I think we did semi-right. From the time my kids were 12 till the time they were 18, I would very regularly, very regularly take them out one-on-one, one, one -on -one, wherever they wanted to go to eat, and I would say, you know there's a Bible verse that says that it's a pretty common bad habit for fathers to annoy and exasperate their teenage kids. And I would read them that verse. And I would say, I want to listen to you. Uh, is there something in my life that you think is uh, a joke or something in my life that is just so hard for you to deal with or, or some way that I am making your life impossible? Uh, I'm not going to hold it against you. I really want to listen. And often my kids would point things out. And um, you know what, or maybe in your marriage. What would it be like, men, husbands, what would it be like if you could from the bottom of your heart mean it and say to your wife, I'm, I'm not, I promise to you, I'm not gonna get angry, I'm not gonna get defensive. I really wanna listen and I want you to answer the question, uh, how can I be a better husband? How can I be more like Jesus to you? And really listen. Really listen. 
So start listening. And the next thing that he moves to, of course, is stop talking. We'll deal with slow to anger next week or week after. Just want to deal with stop starting listening and stopping talking today. Stop talking. This, this is the widespread and everywhere attested biblical wisdom of listening much and speaking little. Proverbs 10, verse 19. Proverbs 10, verse 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is wise. Another translation says, Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is unavoidable. You ever hear this little line? If all that we say in a single day with never a word left out were printed each night in clear black and white would prove strange reading, no doubt. And then just suppose, ere our eyes we could close, we must read that whole record through. Then wouldn't we sigh and wouldn't we try a great deal less talking to do? And I more than half think that many a kink would be smoother in life's tangled thread if half that we say in a single day were left forever unsaid. When words are many, transgression is unavoidable. Or you know Proverbs 13.3? Proverbs 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Or another translation of Proverbs 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, but those who speak rashly always come to ruin. Or Proverbs 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man holds back. It's a very commonly attributed saying to the ancient rabbis that God made the man with two ears and one tongue. And God made the man with ears that are always open and exposed. And God made the man with a tongue that is walled behind the cage of his teeth. The creator knew what he was doing when he made us so. You know Proverbs 10 verse 19 uh, when words are many, transgression is unavoidable, but whoever restrains his lips is wise. Uh, I gave you that one already, but uh, Proverbs 13, 3, to guard your mouth. Proverbs 29, not to give full vent to your spirit. It's basically saying not to be the kind of person who just talks, talks, talks all the time, has to share their opinion about every issue. Here's the other one I wanted to give you, Proverbs 17, 28. This is a funny one. Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool when he keeps silent, is thought wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. He, you don't even have to be, you don't even have to be intelligent. All you got to be is quiet, but you can't even manage that, can you? That's what he's saying. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. People that just have to share their opinion about everything suffer from the delusion that the people around them need to hear every thought in their mind. But if we knew the power of words, we would be slower to speak. If we knew the potential and the power of words, we would still speak, but we would be slower to speak. If we would consider more carefully the irrevocable nature of words and how they cut like a sword, how often have we said something and wish we could take it back, but the blood's already flowing? Stop talking, start listening. You know, James 1.19 is not immediately about our interpersonal relationships. That's a fine application of it. But when, what he's really talking about, I think, based on 21 and 22, is that we really need to listen to the word. Stop arguing against it and really listen to it, to really listen and receive the word. 
Do we really receive the word? I mean, I preach the word of God Sunday by Sunday. I could do better at it, but at least I'm, at least I'm attempting to do it. And some church members, they grow and grow and grow through the preaching of the word into the beautiful image of Christ. And some church members, month by month and year by year, they just don't seem to grow very much. What's the problem? Well, I'm certainly open to the uh, solution, to, to, to the uh, diagnosis of the problem that I'm the problem. I'm just not that great of a communicator. Maybe if I was funnier or more handsome or a better storyteller or I used uh, video clips instead of quoting from John Calvin or maybe there's, maybe there's a lot of things that I could do to change uh, the, the delivery of the sermon. But if it really is the case that some church members are actually growing a lot and some church members really aren't, then we also have to be at least open to the possible diagnosis that the issue isn't the message or the messenger. The issue is the receptivity of those who would be receiving it, the soil that's within the human hearts because the same seed is sown. But what soil does it land in? Is it the case that the acid, the acidic soil of anger and resentment. I, I really believe this. I could fast and pray and work twice as hard on my sermon, but if you have a root of bitterness and unforgiveness in your life, I don't know how I can get through. Maybe the acid of anger is, is ruining your soil. Maybe the compromise of all the weeds where you know, you know that what you're doing is wrong, but you just do it anyway. I know the Bible says that, but I'm going to do this. And those weeds just make it impossible for the seed of the word to get through. Are you really receiving the word of God? Verse 21 says, receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Are you receiving the word of God? And church, as we confess the gospel together, would you please remember this with me? Always remember this. I trust you've heard me say this before. What God requires, God first provides. What God requires, God first provides. God requires that you receive the word with a teachable heart. What God requires, God first provides. This is the new covenant promise of a new heart. This is James 1.18 of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. How are we to receive the word? Well, verse 18 says we have a new nature. And verse 21 says that the word that we receive is an implanted word. What God requires, God first does. He provides it for us. It took a miracle of God to implant the word in us. It's not, it's not the quality of the preaching you've received. It's not your parents. It's not you. It's not me. It's God himself who provides this. So verse 19 really is an imperative command that you, you should change your behavior this week. You should take some thoughts from this sermon and you really should change the way you listen and the way you speak. But never forget that God provides what he requires. And can I suggest that if you're really going to receive the word of God and you're really going to listen, can I
Can I suggest that to listen, you need silence? Talk to you just for a moment about silence and solitude. Um, so Amy and I, at night, we've been reading, rereading the screw tape letters. It is so good. There was one last week where C.S. Lewis went off on churches that got distracted, his words, churches that got distracted by social justice. I was like, did C.S. Lewis write this in 2020? I looked at the copyright, and that, that dude quit writing 60 years ago. But anyway, the, the, a recent one that we read was about, so Screwtape is a demon, and his father is the devil. And so Screwtape the demon says, our father, the devil, loves noise and hates silence. Isn't that interesting? Screwtape says, our father, Satan, his grand plan is that not one square inch of infernal space and not one single moment of infernal time will be surrendered to silence. But all here below shall be occupied by noise. Noise, he capitalizes it. Noise. That grand, dynamic, audible expression of all that is exultant and ruthless and virile and vile. Noise, which can alone defend us from the impossible desires that God wants to give us. Cultivate silence and solitude. You'll never get James 1.19 if you never turn the screens off for an hour of silence, for a solid hour just to pray and meditate on the word of God. There was an old country church, white, little white country church, and a cranky, kind of busybody member of the church. No appointment, but just barged into the church. I, I want to meet with the pastor. And the pastor wasn't there, but there was a deacon there. And the deacon said, well, did you have an appointment? Was the pastor expecting you? And the angry church member was like, no, I just, the pastor's got to fix some things in my life. I got to meet with him right now. And the deacon, who was wise, said, you know, the pastor was here, but he just left. And he told me that he was going to spend an hour with Jesus in the woods. Well, this just sent the church member off. He should, that lazy, no good. He should be helping me right now. And the deacon who was wise said, well, could I encourage you to think about it another way? It just may be the case that pastor's out there for an hour with Jesus because he loves you. And when he does talk with you, he wants to be able to actually bring Jesus to you. There's a time for silence and solitude, not to avoid people, but to actually, uh, actually do the work of Jesus in people's lives. I want to encourage you to get that hour with Jesus. Cultivate silence and solitude. Turn the screens off for a solid hour and know your sleep time doesn't count as having screens off. I'm talking about turning them off while you're awake. <laughs> Little uh, cartoon in the, in the magazine I saw quite a while ago, but I've always remembered it. Husband says to the wife, it's, it's time to go to bed. And the wife is, her, her face is sort of framed by the blue glow of the iPad. And the wife's reply is, I can't go to sleep yet. Someone is wrong on the internet. <laughs> We're always arguing, always clicking, always typing, always talking. 
What about silence and solitude? It's only through that that you'll become a person of wisdom who can make your words count. And as you cultivate silence and solitude, I'm not talking about silence in some uh, mystic cloud of unknowing. (laughs) I'm talking about silence so that you can hear the word of God. You know, when James wrote this, this, this will trip you out if you didn't think about this. Did you know that when James wrote this, the only, the only way that you could receive the word of God was to come into church and have the pastor read it to you? Nobody, nobody had a copy. Nobody had a copy of scripture. Most people were illiterate and there was no mass printing. And the only way that you could hear scripture was to come into church and hear it read. Now, now we all have our own Bibles, and that's a good thing. I don't want to go back and, and uh, cancel Gutenberg or whatever. I mean, it's a good thing that we all have our Bibles. But I wonder, don't you wonder if the fact that we all have it and you can always go back and access whatever Bible reading you want or whatever Bible teaching you want on your phone, because we always have access to it, I wonder, I'm just saying, how much more carefully would you listen if you had one hour and then it would vanish and you couldn't get it back until next Sunday at nine? Why can't we have our own copy but also listen that raptly, that attentively? The word of God in this moment is calling you to more careful listening more self-reflective listening, more non-defensive listening. And the warmest way that I can commend that to you is to tell you once again that the reason we should be non-defensive and open-hearted when we listen to the word of God is that the word of God is the revelation of Jesus Christ who has said, I have not come to condemn you, but I've come to forgive you and welcome you into my life. Why would you defend yourself from that? Listen to the word of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, oh, help us to hear your word. Let us tremble at the height of your holiness and let us trust in the marvelous reach of your grace forgiving us. And Lord, cause us to listen and hear your wonderful word of life. In Jesus Christ we pray, amen. To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. Thank you for listening.